Uh, next Sunday, we mentioned, you know, next Sunday, Sean Futch will be here. Um, and uh, I always I appreciate Sean's uh, handling of the word. It's, he always does a great job. Uh, so I'm looking forward to that. I hope you are as well. And if you can make it for lunch afterwards, that's a, a good thing. And then the Sunday after that, we're going to get back into our series on Colossians. Um, I didn't want to do that for one day here. You know, we, we took a break for Advent, and I didn't want to do one Sunday in Colossians and then skip again and then get back. Uh, and besides that, um, I was something I've been wanting to share and motivated a little bit. Last week, Pastor Kent shared with us uh, the first four of 187 stabilizing practices um, to make you, you, you know, to help you in your life going forward into the new year. He's going to pick up the other 183 in a later sermon. But um, he talked about Sunday worship and the importance of Sunday worship. We take that for granted sometimes. You know, it's just encouraging to see. Uh, to see you here today, you know, for a couple of reasons. One, it's kind of, you know, if I'm the only one here, it's a little awkward. Uh, but, um, you know, the, the, the importance of being together, we sometimes underestimate that. We overlook it. Um, is it easier to sleep in sometimes? Well, yeah, sometimes it is. You know, sometimes there's a lot of things that uh, you can say sometimes would be more fun. But what's more important? You know, the, that gathering together of the body is an important reality, an important thing God has called us to. Um, when I'm on vacation, we visit another church, and, you know, I, I'm glad, and I'm glad to be there, and it's okay, but one of the differences, you know, is uh, we know each other. And there's a huge, there's a huge uh, connection there, a huge benefit with that. And so uh, Pastor Kent talked about that. You can listen to his, you know, message from last week if you want. He also talked about the importance of renewing your mind. Uh, we need to do that regularly. We need to do that consistently. We need to do that over and over again. We have a table out back on our patio that um, is like expanded metal, and um, it gets a little rusty uh, as it just just as it sits there, you know, from the humidity in the air and stuff. And uh, I need to uh, wire brush it and spray paint it every once in a while because it just gets rusty. If you know you don't work on on renewing your mind, it's going to get rusty, if you will. Uh, you know, you need to do that. You're, you're going to be affected by the elements around you. And if you, if, you want to have, if you want to have a life that's guided by God, as opposed to at the push and shove of everything around you, you're going to need to continually renew your mind. And he talked about that radical trust, radical trust in God. Why? Because sometimes and some things don't seem to make sense in our world of what God asks us to do. But, you know, I have never... I've told you this before, and you know I hope it's true for you too. I have never, not one single time, I have never regretted following God. I have never regretted doing what He says. I have never regretted obeying His word. It hasn't always been easy, and sometimes it hasn't always been fun. But I have never ever regretted it. That's part of radical trust. Why I need I need to trust Him, and the more I trust Him, what I have found, the more I trust Him. I have found the more I can trust Him. You know, in, in even more areas. Well, then He talked about verbal witness, and today I'm really picking up on this last point: verbal witness. Our need to tell others, our, our, you know, our need to tell others about what Jesus has done, and that's been on my mind a lot lately. I think it's something we need to focus more on as individuals, and I think it's something we need to focus more on as a church. 
you know, individually as, as each part of the body. I think we need to do that. I think you need to be talking. I, not I think. I know you need to be talking to people about their about your relationship with Christ. You need to be talking with them about God and and, and what He has done. And we need to do that more as a church too. You know, it's vital. It's vital not only for the health of the church, but also for our own spiritual health as individuals as well. Uh, for our for our, our our being and our growth as individuals, we need to. None of us would be here if those who came before us had neglected this area. None of us would be here if those who went before us had neglected this area of a verbal witness. If they had neglected the area of telling us about Christ. If they had neglected telling us about what Jesus had done, who he is and what he has done. If they had neglected that, we would not be here. You know, it's important. It's huge. Um, you know, what I have found, I, I have found that people I think of, people I think of as solid growing Christians... Uh, one of the traits they all have in common is that they tell others about Jesus. You know, they tell others about Jesus. I have found that to be true in my life of, of the people I know, and I have found it to be true even as I, as I, as I look in Scripture. Uh, we're going to look a little bit at that here in a minute. But, you know, I plan to keep this necessity of, of telling others about Christ. I, keep, I plan on, on keeping that before us this year. Uh, this sermon today is just one way to do that, you know, but it's an important thing for us to be able to do that and share our faith. Let's pray, and we're going to get into the passage we're looking at today. Father, thank you. Thank you for those who went before me. And that I knew. And that told me. And some I didn't know. But they told me about you. They opened their mouth. They shared what you had done in their lives. They shared with me the reality of your word. They have told me how you have transformed their life. And they have told me what it means to have a relationship with you. And because of them, Father, I can stand here. I can be here. I can be one of yours. Because they were faithful in that. They were faithful in verbally sharing. They were faithful in opening their mouth. They were faithful in telling me what we just saying, what you have done. Now, Father... Teach us from your word. I ask that you would reveal yourself as we look and see what you have done as we're looking in your word, that we will be able to relate that and understand that in our own lives. Help me to be able to communicate your truth, uh, not my ideas. I thank you for the time that you've guided me as I've been in study. But, Father, uh, it's as you work in the lives of those that are here and make those connections that change will happen. So that's what we pray toward, those ends. And we do it with thanks in Christ's name. Amen. We're going to be in John chapter 9, if you want to turn there. John chapter 9, page 987, or in your phone, or however it is you get that up there. We're going to be looking at the whole chapter. Um, you know, and, and uh, you know, the, the, uh, as, I was, as I was working on this, um, you know, we're going, to, we're going to be looking at, you know, uh, how everything unfolded in this chapter and as you know for me that's a lot of verses um, but so keep your bible nearby as we pause every once in a while but pick up with me verse one it says as he was that's jesus as he was passing by he saw a man blind from birth his disciples questioned him rabbi who sinned this man or his parents that he was born blind uh, neither this man nor his parents sinned jesus answered this came about so that God's work might be displayed in him. We must do the works of him who sent me while it is still day. Night is coming when no one can work. As long as I am in the world, I'm the light of the world. 
After he said these things, he spit on the ground, made some mud from the saliva, and spread the mud on his eyes. Go, he told him, wash in the pool of Siloam, which means scent. So he left, washed, and came back seeing. His neighbors and those who had formerly seen him as a beggar said, Isn't this the man who said begging? Some said, He's the one. I know others were saying, But he sure looks like him. Uh, He kept saying, I'm the one. Therefore they asked him, How then were your eyes opened? He answered, The man called Jesus made mud, spread it on my eyes, and he told me, Go to Siloam and wash. So I went and I washed, and I received my sight. Oh, where is he? they asked. I don't know, he said. Now, I'm just going to share some observations with you as we go through this. You know, and that's what you have in your outline there. My observations, you know, as I went along. Uh, there's a lot that I'm going to pass over. I, I uh, texted Pastor Kent this week and I said, you know, this is too long. The sermon was at 10 points after I had cut it down already. And uh, so we cut it back to, well, the seven observations you have there in your outline. So anyway, um, Jesus and his disciples here are traveling along. They're, they're going through the towns and they're sharing the good news that the Messiah had come. Now, really, Jesus is the main one doing the sharing, and he did it through teaching. He did it through direct teaching. He also did it through his miracles. And, he, you know, that reality that the Messiah that they had been looking for, that they had been waiting for, the one that they, you know, that, that they had looked forward to as, as Jews, to the Messiah coming, that he had come. Now, many came to believe in Jesus as the promised Messiah. He was pretty clear about that as we read it. But, again, remember, we have the advantage of looking back. And as you're looking back, you know, Hindsight, you know, when they say hindsight's 2020, hindsight's a lot better than, you know, than looking forward. When we look back on things, you know, we can see. I don't know about you, but even this week I had a few things I thought, well, I should have done that differently. You know, and because when we, when we get through something and then we look back, you know, we can see. Well, these folks, they were in the midst of it. So many of them did come to believe in Jesus as the Messiah, though. But what I find a bit astounding is even in the face of many clear miracles, some still did not believe in Jesus. Now we find that a bit ludicrous, but again, it's because we have a fuller picture. You know, when we think, how could they miss that? You know, how, how, how what you're going to find today, you know, you're going to you're going to find today that people still have many, many differing opinions about who or what Jesus is. You're going to come across people who think that you know he was just a good teacher, you know, or that <clears throat> excuse me that he's a prophet. Uh, some will say you know he's a crutch. Yeah, I've, I, I can remember hearing that, you know, he's just a, you know, he's just a crutch, you know, it's something to, to help you, you lean on. Some would, some flat out call him a fraud. Uh, some call him a figment of people's imagination. And then there are those who see him as Savior and Lord. Now, in all of these, I could connect all of these to different religions, you know, in different different groups. You know, the, you know, the Muslim think he's a good teacher uh, and and a prophet. Um, you know, atheist thinks that he's a crutch or a fraud, a figment of people's imagination. Christian Science falls into that, and a lot of the other occult teaching. Uh, you know, Savior and Lord. That should be you know where 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 we're at. Now, here's the thing, though, their opinion about about Jesus matters. It really does matter because if they don't believe in, you know, if they don't believe that Jesus is a savior who died for their sins, then they will die in their sins and they will go to hell. You see, so it matters what people believe. You can say, well, you know, they they just have their own religion and their own thing. We're not talking about a religion. 
We are not talking about a religion. We are talking about a relationship. We are talking about people coming to know Jesus Christ as Savior and Lord. That's what we're talking about. Well, what if they believe in another God? Then they're believing in a false God, you see. And how, how foolish of us to, to, to think that that's, that that's okay for us to not help someone when we can. You know, the, 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 the um, I don't know what they call themselves, illusionist, magicianist, pen and teller, um, the big guy. Is that pen or is that teller? I think it's pen. Anyway, um, he's an atheist and he's a pretty clear atheist in the fact that he'll tell you he's an atheist. Uh, there's a video online on YouTube, and you should really look it up because it's, it's interesting. And he talks about um, a man who came to him who hung around after one of, one of their performances. And he hung around, and um, when, after everybody else had left, he gave, uh, he gave Penn a Bible. And he says, you know, I just wanted you to have this and stuff and all that. And, you know, they talked a little bit, and he said, you know, uh, you know, I, I don't believe this stuff. And the guy talked, just talked to him until he said, I, you know, I, I want you to have this and, you know, maybe read it and learn a little bit more about Jesus. Well, Penn goes on to say, he said, you know, he said, I have a lot of respect for that man. He said, no, I don't believe him. He said, but he said, how he said, how cold do you have to be to believe that Jesus is, is the Savior. How cold do you have to believe to believe that this is, this is the only way to heaven and not tell someone? He said, because if you truly believe that, if you truly believe that, then you should be telling everyone. He said, but how unfeeling do you have to be to be in a conversation with someone and to know that they don't believe that and you know the way and you don't tell them. And this comes from a man who rejects God. And he sees the reality. He sees the importance of that. that you know, Just what we're talking about here. If they don't come to believe in Jesus as a Savior who died for their sin, then they will die in their sin. And they will go to hell. And we need to tell others about Jesus. We need to tell them. Well, here we're told as Jesus and his disciples were passing by, they noticed a blind man who at this point doesn't know Jesus as Messiah. That will become more obvious as we go along that he doesn't yet know him. And Jesus does more than notice the man. He makes a connection with this man. He spits on the ground, made some mud, it says, and smeared it on the man's eyes. And he directs him to go wash off in the pool of Siloam. Now, in their culture... In their culture, these things all had medicinal purposes. And I would tell you, I'll tell you that um, even though you don't, you, you say, no, well, well, we don't. Um, you, you, do, you do believe that spit has some medicinal purposes. What do you do when you cut your finger? You put spit on it. That's, that's what you do, you see. Well, they believed that, that you know that that spit had medicinal purposes. Where we find this kind of gross, uh, you know, they necessarily wouldn't, you know. And the, and the mud and the pool of Siloam, they all thought to have some medicinal benefits. Now, while I would not recommend that you make mud and smear it on someone with spit, I I just I just my recommendation. Now, if you feel that that's necessary, please video it because I'd like to see. Um, but I would not recommend that you, you know that you that you take spit on the ground and you know mix it with dirt and smear it on someone. I will point out we need to connect with those who don't know Jesus as Savior. 
We need to connect with them. We need to be able, we need to be able to, you know, we need to be able to, to, to get in there and talk with them. Now, you know, that's what it means. It means you need to speak with them. And for some of you, you know, I've already lost you because this is just too frightening. You know, it does not mean you need to be their new best friend. Okay? That's not what I'm talking about. Maybe it will be. I, I, I don't know. Some of my, I, I, one, of my, one of my concerns before I came to Christ, uh, into a relationship with Christ, is I wouldn't have any friends. I have more friends now than I, than I had before. You know, and, uh, and, you know, they, I, but anyway, you know, you, you, they may not be your new best friend, but you do need to speak with them. You, you know, you do need to tell them. Here Jesus spoke about the man's most apparent need, his physical sight. Now, sometimes we think we should avoid the obvious, and you, know, you certainly should be careful not to offend someone. Um, as I was going over that this morning again, I, I, when I was at um, Parkview Hospital uh, visiting someone, I was waiting on, uh, on the floor to get in the elevator, and uh, four of us got in the elevator, myself, another man, and a woman, and, an, and another lady. And we got in the elevator, and the uh, one lady said to the other one, when are you due? And I thought, oh, this isn't good. <laughs> this is not good. <laughs> I, just, I just was looking forward and very grateful that there was shiny uh, things in front. So I could see, I could see this without having to turn around. You know? And uh, the other lady says, pardon me. She says, well, when, when are you due? The baby. I'm not, I'm not pregnant. So while you know, while don't avoid the obvious, be real careful sometimes too when you're talking about what you think is the obvious uh, for someone, uh, you know, because that that certainly may not be. Um, but you know, sometimes the obvious is a good thing to talk about. You know, sometimes it's a good thing to. I see you're struggling. I see you're struggling. Is there maybe some way I can help? Um, you need someone to talk to. Or, you know, hey, I heard what happened. I just want you to know I'm praying for you. You see, make that, don't be afraid to make that connection. You know, we need to connect with them. That's the, the purpose is to be able to connect with them. A part of how we know Jesus connected with this man here, uh, you know, he took Jesus' advice. You know, he, he did what Jesus told him to do. Go wash in a pool of salt. And what a difference it made. He could see for the first time in his life. I could, oh my goodness, I try to think of what, oh, 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 what this would be like. For the very first time in his life, he could see. Oh my gosh, have you ever seen any of those uh, videos where the, um, they, they give people, and, and I, don't, I don't get the full picture of this, where they give them these glasses that helps them to see color, right, for the first time where they couldn't see color? Oh, whoa, these people are blown away. I mean, they are in tears, some of them sobbing. Because, you know, they get these glasses as a gift from somebody, and they put them on, and, and it's, you know, they look around, it just... Amazing. Now they could see before, but now they could, you know, see. This guy couldn't see at all, and now he could see. Now at this point, the, the focus really shifts from Jesus' interaction with this man to this man's interaction with others. Uh, first, he had to convince some of his neighbors that he was really the same man. Is this a guy? Yeah, no, 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 it's me. He says, you know, and say, well, it looks like him. Well, I don't know. No, it's me. You know, and he has to try to convince them. Because there was such a radical, obvious change in this guy that some couldn't believe it was the same guy. 
They couldn't believe it was the same guy. You know, it doesn't take much of a change sometimes. I don't, you guys, some of you probably don't remember this. There was, uh, you know, one summer um, that uh, I, I got uh, a flat top. Uh, you know, I don't know if some of you remember it, but uh, Jenny was out of town. She flew somewhere. And um, I went to the airport to pick her up and just sat there, you know. And as she's coming out, she lo- and she looks, and you're like, what did you do? Uh, sometimes there's just such an obvious change, you know, about, uh, about something that, you know, it, it, we're overwhelmed. It's almost like a, like a, like a different person, you know. And, and, you know, so this is, what's, this is what's going on, you know, in their life, in this guy's life. Jesus, you know, he, he brings change into people's lives. Now... Here's a problem for us when it comes to talking with other people. Here's where we sometimes stumble, uh, you know, because for us, we sometimes too often, we want to bring change into people's lives instead of bringing Jesus into their lives. You need to understand that difference. You need to understand that difference. We want them to quit, fill in the blank, drinking, smoking, swearing, uh, whatever. We want them to quit doing these things. Or we want them to start, you know, uh, going, to, going to church or, you know, picking up after, whatever it is. We want to, you know, what, we're, what we look at sometimes is bringing change into their lives instead of bringing Jesus into their lives. Here's the deal. Jesus is the one who brings real change into their lives. So you get them to stop drinking, smoking, swearing, and they don't know Jesus. What have you accomplished? Your own comfort. This isn't for your own comfort. This is so that that people who don't know Jesus can come to know Jesus and, and don't end up in hell. This is what this is about. Jesus is the one who brings real change into people's lives. Well, but they need to stop. No, what you need to do is you need to tell them about Jesus and, and trust the fact that Jesus is going to change their life when he comes into a relationship with him. If your life hasn't been changed by Jesus, then I, I really I would question whether or not you have a relationship with him. My life has been changed. Perfect? No, no. If the rest of you were like me, this world would be a better place. A lot scarier, but better. Uh, but they, you know, that's what we want people to be like us. Well, sort of, but not really. We just want them to behave how we want them to behave. That's not the deal. That's not the goal. I'm glad you all don't behave like me because I've learned things from you. Sometimes what irritates me, but you know, the, uh, I've learned things. You know, and, and it's, it's, it's a good thing. It's a good thing. You know, the goal is not for us to change them. The goal is for us to help them know Jesus and trust that he will change them. And this man's life was changed more than simply by gaining physical sight. Pick up with me, verse 13. They brought this man who used to be blind to the Pharisees. That day Jesus made the mud and opened his eyes was the Sabbath. So again, the Pharisees asked him how he received his sight. He put mud on my eyes, he told them. I washed and I can see. Therefore, some of the Pharisees said, This man is not from God, for he does not keep the Sabbath. But others were saying, how can a sinful man perform such signs? And there was division among them. Again, they asked the blind man, what do you say about him since he opened your eyes? He's a prophet, he said. Now, see, to bring bring this guy to the Pharisees was not an unusual thing because healings were confirmed by the Pharisees. 
You know, the Pharisees would have known this man as a blind man, and you know, that, so they bring him there. When Jesus healed the lepers, what did he tell them? Go to the temple, make the sacrifice, do what you, you know, do what you're supposed to do. Why? Because the healings were confirmed by, you know, by the Pharisees there. Now we have at least four views of Jesus going on in these verses. First, you have the Pharisees who think he's not from God. They think he's not from God. Why? Because he didn't act as they thought he should act. You see, he didn't act as they thought he should. What? He did this on the Sabbath? What a loser, he says. They, he certainly can't be from God because he did it, and they rejected him as, 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 uh, you know, as the Messiah. They rejected him as even having any connection with God. He certainly can't have a connection with God because, look, he did this on the Sabbath. Now, we also have some of the other Pharisees who are open to, to the possibility that Jesus might at least have a, some kind of a connection with God. You know, and then you have the formerly blind man. Notice, he now sees Jesus as a prophet. Did you notice in verse 11, he simply refers to Jesus as the man called Jesus. Here in verse 17, he feels pretty sure Jesus is a prophet. You know, when somebody comes, when somebody really comes into a relationship with Christ, when they come into that relationship with Jesus, their view and opinion of him changes. Their view and opinion of him grows, it increases. They come to understand more of who he really is. They come to understand more of what he's done. They come to understand more of who it is they have this relationship with. You know, so you have those who rejected him. You know, those who were open to the possibility. Here, the, the blind man's growing. You also have those who really just didn't care. None of this mattered at all to them. They just went on with their lives. Now, the thing is, we still have all these same types of people today. You're going to run across some who will reject Jesus because he doesn't fit their idea of what, of what God should be. You ever heard anybody say, how could there be all this evil in the world if there truly is a loving God? What they're saying is, God doesn't fit my picture of what God should be. That's what that statement is. God doesn't fit my picture of what God should be. And so I'm rejecting him. Now, you can have that question, certainly, you know, and seek God for the answers. But to reject him because he doesn't fit your picture of what God should be, that's, that's just what some of these Pharisees were doing. You know, we also have people who are open to the possibility uh, you know, of a connection with God. You know, who are there? We have those who are growing, you know, and we have those who just flat out don't care. Now, in verses 18 through 23 here, the Pharisees bring the man's parents to confirm he was indeed bored and blind, you know, and, and that this was not a trick. Um, and now they don't want to get on, on, Jesus, on uh, the Pharisees' bad side. The parents don't want to get on their bad side, so they tell him, he's of age, ask him, they push it off to their son. That's where we pick up verse 24. So a second time they summoned the man who had been uh, blind and told him, give glory to God. We know this man's a sinner. He answered whether or not he's a sinner, I don't know. One thing I do know, I was blind, now I can see. Then they asked him, what did he do to you? How did he open your eyes? I like this next part because this is where the guy gets to be, I, you know, I, I, I can get to be like this guy. I already told you, he said, and you didn't listen. Why do you want to hear it again? You don't want to come as disciples too, do you? They ridiculed him. That, you're that man's disciple. We're Moses' disciples. We know that God has spoken to Moses, but this man, we don't even know where he's from. This is an amazing thing, the man told them. You don't know where he's from, yet he opened my eyes. We know that God doesn't listen to sinners, but if anyone is God-fearing, he does God's will. He listens to him. Throughout history, no one has ever heard of someone opening the eyes of a person born blind. If this man were not from God, he wouldn't be able to do anything. 
You were born entirely in sin, they replied. And you're trying to teach us, and they threw him out. You see, now those, those, who, don't, those who, who didn't believe in Jesus here, they were trying to get this formerly blind man to agree with them. You know, they wanted him to agree with them. Give glory to God, they said, because we know, we the educated ones, we the guys of theology, we know, we, those of us who are, you know, who are religious, we know that this man is a sinner. And they were saying Jesus was not God, not the Messiah, not even in line with God. He's a sinner. He's opposed to God, you see. He wasn't even in line with God. He just, it was flat out bumping heads with God because he's a sinner. And they even made it sound like they were on God's side. Now, I've had, uh, I've had many discussions like this with Jehovah's Witnesses and Mormons, uh, you know, and, and uh, they're trying to show me how they're on God's side uh, by rejecting Jesus as, as God. Um, uh, the, the man here, you know, he doesn't go along with their false views of Jesus. You know, he doesn't go along with that at all. He reminds them once again what Jesus had done in his life. I was blind. Now I see. I couldn't see before. Now I can. This is what he has done in my life, is what he's telling them here. Tell people what Jesus has done in your life. Tell them. Tell others what he's done. In, this is not theology here. Well, it is, but if I told you that, then you'd freak out. This is, you know, this is, this is, it, I'm not asking you to, you know, to tell them about the hypostatic union. I'm not, I'm not asking you to tell, what I'm asking you to, to do is simply tell them what his, what Jesus has done in your life. Tell them how your life has changed because of Jesus. You know, what, what has gone on in your life. Tell, him, tell them what a difference he has made in your life. It doesn't have to be as dramatic as, you know, as open to my blind eyes. It doesn't have to be as dramatic as that. He brought wholeness, peace, comfort, answers to basic and complex, complex questions to me. To me, what he do in your life? You see, to me, God, God not only makes, makes sense, he makes sense of the world to me. And I can tell people about that. I can tell them what, you know, how he has brought peace and comfort to me. How he has answered basic questions. How he has answered some complex questions for me. What has he done in your life? Now, the man uses their view, and he invites them to come and see who Jesus really is. Now, he does it a little sarcastically, perhaps, because um, he tells them, you know, not only the, the, to believe in who Jesus is, but to come become his disciples. Well, see, th- th- that is a little sarcastic and how he's delivering it, but the, the truth is there. Jesus hasn't, um, Jesus hasn't taught this part yet, but this guy, you know, already caught on to the reality that Jesus told us to make disciples, not simply believers. You need to know that. He asks us to make disciples, not simply believers. A believer simply acknowledges Jesus. That's all a believer does. You know, it, it has no impact on their life. It has no impact on their values, no impact on their choices. It's just, they simply nod in agreement. Yep. You know, and they simply not in agreement. There is no effect in their lives. And Scripture tells me that they don't really have that relationship. Because, you see, a disciple not only believes in Jesus, but their belief in Jesus affects their life. Their belief in Jesus sets their values. 
Their belief in Jesus guides their choices. That's what a disciple does. Now, these Pharisees ridicule him because, you know, when you don't have a valid argument, you make fun of the person, you little maggot-infested worm. Are you telling us, you know, what to do? Who do you think you are, you little scum-sucking weasel? Yeah, I mean, this is what they're doing. I've been called an assortment of names and even told what a lousy Christian I am. You know, and when that, now, now, when that happens, I have a choice to make. I can either choose to respond to them calling me names, you know, and, you know and, or I have a choice as to whether or not I'm going to tell them about Jesus. Our tendency is to want to, you know, punch them in the throat or a reasonable facsimile thereof. You know, that's, that, that could be... Choose to tell them about Jesus rather than defend yourself. Choose to tell them about Jesus even rather than telling them about yourself. The former blind man chooses to tell them about Jesus. He says, this is an amazing thing, the man told them. You, you, know where, you don't know where he's from, yet he opened my eyes. We know God doesn't listen to sinners, but if anyone is God-fearing and does his will, then he listens to him. Throughout history, no one's ever heard of someone opening the eyes of a person born blind. If this man were not from God, he wouldn't have been able to do anything. You see, now this man's discussion with the Pharisees has actually been helping him to grow in his knowledge and faith in Christ. Uh, verse 16 tells us, you know, th this is what some of the Pharisees thought. Some of the Pharisees thought perhaps Jesus was of God. You see, so his discussion with the Pharisees is helping him to grow. Again, look, verse 11, he refers to Jesus as the man called Jesus. Verse 17, he's pretty sure that Jesus is a prophet. Notice verse 33, he says Jesus is from God. He says he's from God. He's growing. You know, when you talk to others about Jesus, you're going to grow in your knowledge, you're going to grow in your faith, you're going to grow in your stability about God. When you talk to others about God, you will grow in those areas. You will grow in those as you express them. You will grow in those as you hear yourself say what you've only been thinking. And you will grow. Well, the Pharisees got their tassels in a tangle here, and he berates, they berate the man, and they, you know, they toss him out. And uh, you know, some people don't want to listen to reason; they want to hold on to their erroneous opinions. You know, some people don't. They, they don't. They don't want to listen. They just want to hold on to their already, you know, erroneous opinions, um, you know, about who he is. You know, they don't want to be wrong. Uh, some people don't listen, you know, because they can't let go of past hurts. Some of the Pharisees thought that Jesus had insulted them. And because he insulted them, you know, they closed their ears to him. And sometimes people don't want to listen because they want to maintain their position. For the Pharisees, you know, to accept Jesus, uh, they were wondering if maybe they'd have been tossed out like they tossed this guy out. And sometimes people just don't want to admit they're wrong. They don't want to admit they're wrong. You know, a lot of people are going to end up in hell. Because they let pride keep them from Jesus. I know what's going on. I don't need you to tell me. Pick up with me. Verse 35. When Jesus heard that they had thrown the man out, he found him and asked, Do you believe in the Son of Man? Who is he, sir, that I may believe in him, he asked. Jesus answered, You have seen him. In fact, 
He's the one speaking to you. I love that. What if, could he, he's the one speaking to you. I believe, Lord, he said. And he worshipped him. Now the, shift, the, the, the focus shifts a bit once more as Jesus reaches out to this man. Uh, because Jesus was not going to leave this man with partial, a partial picture of who he is. He didn't want this guy to have a distorted picture. You see, this is making disciples, what he's called us to. He's called us to make disciples. This is what it is. It's helping people come to see and understand who Jesus is and to begin a relationship with Christ Jesus. That's what discipleship is. It's not blasting someone with a gospel cannon and then walking away. That's not what we're talking about when we're talking about sharing your faith, you know. Blasting them off their feet with that gospel cannon and then walk away. And, you know, best of luck to you. I hope you can get up. You know, it's coming alongside someone and it's helping them to see and understand who he is and to begin this relationship with Jesus. It may be that you only see this person for, you know, 10 minutes and, you know, and they get on a plane and go to L.A. and you get on a plane and come back to Fort Wayne, you know, and that could be the deal. But the whole thing, you know, is, is to, you know, to help them to see, help them to understand, help them to begin a relationship with Christ. You know, help them to know this. As Jesus talks with this man further, the man comes to understand who he really is. Again, look at that progression. Verse 11, the man called Jesus. Verse 17, he's a prophet. Verse 33, he's from God. Look at verse 38. I believe, Lord, he said, and he worshipped him. I believe, and he worshipped him. Even before this man totally understood who Jesus was, he told the Pharisees what he knew about Jesus. We sometimes get stopped because of all we think we don't know. This man did not know, did not know yet who Jesus was, but he told the Pharisees what he knew about Jesus. And he grew because of it. I I believe solid Christians, you know, growing Christians, they tell others about Jesus. And we need to connect with others who don't know Jesus. And when someone truly knows him, their opinion and knowledge of him will grow. Just simply tell others what Jesus has done in your life. And make disciples, not simply believers. Choose to tell them about Jesus. Tell them. You know, some will argue. Tell them again. Uh, Some people will resist. Tell them again. Some will discredit Jesus. Tell them again. Some will disparage you. Tell them again who Jesus is. Tell people what you know about Jesus. Let's pray. We're going to sing that one song again. So let's pray, though, before we do that. Father, thank you. Thank you for what you have done in our lives. Thank you for the way in which you have have and continue to transform us more and more into the people you want us to be. Help, uh, help us to be able to share the, the reality of what it means uh, in our life to know you, what it means to see how you have worked in our life. We don't have all the answers, Father. We may, like this man said, I don't know. I don't know about what you're asking, but this I do know. Help us to tell them what we do know about what he has done in our life, Father. That you would be glorified, that others would come to know 
who Christ is. Not just to, uh, Father, not just to come to, to, to have that knowledge, but that they might come to have that relationship with you. Thank you for those opportunities. Give us those words to speak of the great things you have done in our life, we pray. In Christ's name, amen.